Northwestern, the disrespect of inviting Howard to a homecoming. I just feel like Howard is the one school whose homecoming is nationally famous, no matter whether you went there or not. And Northwestern, for you to invite barely one. Yeah, for you to invite Howard to your homecoming to beat to win whatever sixteen to nine or whatever embarrassing ass score it was, shame on you. Do better. Not just that they were up and had Howard shut out, and Howard came roaring back in the second half. <laughs> I, yeah, it looked. I think halftime was nine nine nothing or like twelve not something like that. It was some weird number score too. Nothing. You want to talk about halftime speeches? Howard got a halftime speech. <laughs> yeah, uh, yo. We didn't get invited to Northwestern's homecoming to score no points. That's you think not... this journalism school <laughs> got something on y'all? <laughs> y'all the future world leaders in here. What are we talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back week six, SP Ross Untitled College Football Podcast. How do your Saturdays feel? That was a good, it's a good Saturday. I will say that. I will say we were just talking. Good, good week of sports, but uh, it kicked off with Saturday. We were saying, yeah, there's basketball starting to be on the TV now. Uh, there's you know, playoff baseball got underway, uh, WNBA finals, but yeah, college football during Saturday, fun time. Um, from noon all the way to super late, I didn't even know that I was gonna be in for a uh, what is it, th- almost three o'clock by the time the triple overtime thriller there ended between USC and Arizona, but full slate of games. That was brutal, uh, but that was a great game. Yeah, like that that really messed me up because then we had a 9.30 kickoff NFL game. Um, so just no no regard for anyone's sleep schedule. But um, we'll, we'll probably get – most of this episode will be about games because I'm, I'm going to tell you off top, I only have a few big-picture thoughts before we get into kind of our, our segments and the games. The first one, the big one, running theme here for me, uh, the NCAA just showing up uh, after landscapes have already been, you know, shifted and r- rules have kind of already naturally been set because there's a void of leadership. Uh, the NCAA runs in as as the supposed leaders run in void of leadership, and um, you know, say you know maybe let's re relook at this gambling thing. You know, let's maybe lessen the penalties on that since it's legal. Um, so, you know, the whole Iowa State and Iowa, there were a couple, you know, there were some players off of those teams who uh, lost their eligibility before the start of the season for gambling on other sports. Um, and they, you know, they're looking at lessening the penalties, reinstating some folks. Tez Walker's back in the mix for UNC. Um, but I'm just, this is an overall gripe with the NCAA. Um, I read two or three things this weekend. One was lessening gambling penalties. One was more, um, freedom for coaches 
to you know basically less of a limit on scholarship players in the wake of transfer portals being open and teams needing to replenish kind of programs year to year uh, another was shortening the transfer uh, window by a couple of days just i get to get some kind of order on that but i guess i wanted to get your thoughts on as this has turned into kind of just the wild wild west because again no one's in charge of this billion dollar college football ring um the ncaa just coming in afterwards and kind of being like all right i guess we'll allow this or okay maybe you could do this as if you know they're there it just makes them look less and less authoritative and in charge by the day to the point where i just wonder you know we do need some rules but this that what they're doing is not leadership or that's not what leadership looks like to me. Yeah. Then there's the version of leadership where you set the table, set the parameters, actually influence the tide. Then there's a weak sort of leadership or what I would call non-leadership where you see where the crowd is going and then jump to the front of the line. I think that's what the NCAA is doing. And like you said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that leadership. Yeah. They, I mean, they're the supposed body that, that that's what they market themselves or, you know, comport themselves to be essentially for this whole, you know, collegiate sports. And um, when there's an opportunity for them to actually step in and do some leading, because like we said, with the NIL, with the transfer portal, with a lot of these things, it, there, there do need to be rules and parameters just to keep, you know, I, I want kids to get money. I want them to be freedom of transfer. I want, all of that, but there definitely does have to be some guidelines and parameters just so kids don't get taken advantage of programs. I'm less concerned about, but programs don't get taken advantage of boosters don't get taken advantage of again, less concerned about the latter two of those, but there does need to be some parameters and there. This could be a time for leadership. And I just think, you know, as we see conference realignment, as we see this move further away from needing any affiliation with the body that is the NCAA, I think you'll just see kind of, if we're going to run this like a business, let's put CEOs, presidents, uh, you know, treasurers, accountants, let's put these people in positions so that we can run it like a business. That would just be my kind of summation of that. That's actually what I'm waiting for. I'm wondering if there's going to be some kind of enterprising, contrary enough, um, commissioner of the Big Ten or the SEC that say, you know what, let's abscond. Let's take all of our schools. Let's run a free market open air system and not share any of these revenue with NCAA and just run it ourselves. And I don't know what all the legalese there is, but when you think about what the NCAA actually does, what's stopping a school or a set of schools from doing that? Yeah. Uh, Beyond just the, the, you know, the fact that it's not traditional. Yeah. I think tradition is one. I would, you know, I think we kind of talked about this maybe earlier at some point, but the, uh, you know, the non money making or the non revenue schools would be the ones that would be hurt the most by that business model because that business model is mirrored, is, is based off of the success of football and basketball primarily. Um, and you know, we're already seeing with the, the, the conference realignment stuff that it's giving less concern to, uh, you know, the other teams who play 
weeknights in between classes, in between schools, just one game, and then that's it um, in terms of how their travel needs are going to be impacted and those types of things. So I, I think I think eventually we do see it. I think we eventually see super conferences it's more or less succeed from the NCAA and just set up you know their own playoffs and set up their own, like you said, free market uh, you know revenue not split with uh, a body that at this point doesn't do you know doesn't do much that they can't do themselves. Let's let's say yeah, that. they take they take a billion dollar cut. For doing what exactly? Right. And I've been saying this for a while. It doesn't make a lot of sense anymore to marry education and sports the way that we do. What gets around all things that you just described is let's just make it a separate thing. Let's yeah. make college football and college basketball a separate thing entirely. So we're not having lacrosse players in North Carolina having to travel to Stanford and then turn around and go to West Virginia the same week. That like, doesn't make any sense. Let's just make it a different thing. They're making it on a different schedule and then have rules that are fair that govern all of that. Yeah. Honestly, that's also what's holding back some of this progress is the NCAA claiming that, oh, we can't pay ball players because what's going to happen with badminton? So who cares? Badminton's not generating <laughs> a billion dollars. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. No, so they, exactly. They try to have it both ways and it's. Burn it. Burn it down. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I would say it, that's what's going to – it just feels like that's what's going to happen. It, I don't know who's going to be first, but it just feels like one of these – You know, there will just be a new alliance, so to speak, right, or, or something will form that one of these schools or a couple of them together will go join that will exist – to what you're saying, separate from all these other things. It will just be this alliance or conference or league that you can join so long as you meet X number of parameters. And Georgia, you know, Florida, and you know, two other, you know, Big 12 or some schools, they'll just go join that. And that will be the start of, I think, or you know, when these conferences form. I just feel like that's the first step. When the the conference realignment stuff is the first step to something closer to that. Um, but it's just every time I see a headline about NCAA rules, NCAA does, NCAA investigate. I'm like, what? Are, how are they still? Like, who's still listening to them? I guess would be my thing. But I don't want. I could do this forever. Like I said, with the NCAA, so I want to move on. So something or the that NFL you, too, because they're complicit in this. Yeah, I mean take. it's it's the NFL's free, you know, free minor league is is the uh you know loud, not quiet secret there in terms of that's why college football model exists as it does, and you know, the non-payment and the whole the whole thing is just like, well, it's it's where NFL teams get to evaluate their future prospects for free. With, with no affiliation, no minors, no G League team, no AAA team, none of that. Um, so, yeah, but before we get down that rabbit hole, something you brought up last week in a similar but not the same vein um, is was coaches just with rage fits and yelling and just losing their minds on the sideline. Uh, there was a lot of that. There's a lot of that in college football, but there's a lot of that this weekend. There was a lot of it last weekend. Um, I'm not all yelling on the sideline is created equal. Uh, yelling on the sideline is a part of football. It's certainly a part of the game. 
in a certain aspect, it can be a part of coaching, but there is, and I just want to be clear, there is a difference and it might be hard to decipher sometimes on TV or if, you know, you've never been in an athletic environment or a, an environment where that type of, you know, maybe the military, uh, a type of environment where that is the manner and tone that's spoken, but there's definitely a difference between coaching and just having a rage fit and there's a lot more rage fits just coaches who are mad that they are losing or at their players or that they're being out coached or that the refs or whatever the case and they just decide that somebody is about to be the the lightning rod for my rage fit here and they just get their yelling off and that like that shit drives me crazy because you know i've I've seen and been around players where if, cause sometimes it's direct at players where if you yell at a player like that, they no longer care that you're a coach. It, it's about to get taken to another place because there's a line. And so some of these coaches just need to be checked a little bit with the power that they have. And are you just yelling to be abusive or are you coaching? Are you proving a point? Are you, getting something through or are you just frustrated and now yelling because you're in the power position and is it effective correct like what is, is it the coaching? impact of you doing that yes that's why it's not all created equal some people you're doing it and there's a time and a place and it can be effective i find it often the most effective it's the coaches who you never see do that that when they do that you know oh man like we really need like this coach who never raises his voice just had to get, you know, get on our ass about whatever, like let's wake the fuck up here. That, that can be a thing, but yeah. Are you just yelling and it just, just yelling to yell and you might as well just be yelling into a blank space. A lot of these coaches sometimes answers like, yeah, and it's not effective and it's not a good look. And I feel like the the power structure part of it is the part where if this wasn't a you know 18 year old, 19 year old kid or a, a ref who makes way less than you, who can't really retaliate or do anything, like would you just berate someone like this in any other setting free of any real consequence? And this is the only realm where they can do that, or one of the few realms where that's just kind of acceptable and tossed aside. And so I just wanted to draw the line. There is coaching that looks like yelling or that is yelling, but then there's also just, you're having a rage fit and you're being an immature person who can't control their emotions right now. And you need to stop. Yeah. As y'all may not know, so I'm, an, I'm an educator and I have similar conversations with teachers and principals. There is people letting you push their buttons and you lose control. And there is a strategic controlled rage where you are actually acting a certain way, behaving a certain way to make a point. And we want to get into the ladder where you are effectively figuring out what you're trying to do, inspire action, get someone's attention, hold someone accountable, and figure out what is the best way, given the culture of our team, given who's on there, what their personalities are like, to actually reach them. I think the best coaches, the best teachers, the best communicators are able to figure out what does this person need to hear or experience to get to where I need them to go. Yeah. And to your point, if my standard operating procedure is just yelling, 
well, then that's not going to mean anything. And as a player, as a child, whoever we're talking about, I'm going to tune you out because it's just what you do. Yep. Versus if Tony Jen Dungey never yells, never curses, when he's in your face, you know that it's serious. Yep. That's effective. And yeah. he's doing that for a reason and not because he's lost control, like you said. So there's, there's levels to this that cause you to take heat of because otherwise you're going to lose your team. Yeah, and I think – for the you know, not to make it a race thing, but the white coaches, when I can see that your face is red, that's when I know from afar. I don't even have to know what the conversation is. That's when I know you're not that's not yelling to get across or to prove a point. That is uncontrolled rage, and you need to go talk to your coronary specialist, sir, because that is why coaches are just an unhealthy, you know, group of of individuals on the the whole it's because they're control freaks and sometimes they're rage freaks and they don't have control when the game actually starts and sometimes the rage comes out so just just coaches take it easy just there's 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 more effective methods to reach people more often than that just leave it at that there's a power imbalance too because when that happens you get in a kid's face you yoke them up you pull their jersey and they get upset when now they're benched or now yeah. they're cut. Yeah. Like, you provoke them. Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. And if they hit you back, they're always wrong. And it, it, But if all things equal, if you grab my shirt, I'm entitled to get your hand off me. Uh, but, again, that's another one I could get down a rabbit hole on. So quick hitters for these next two. Uh, Caleb Williams. I don't know if these uh, reports are real or not or the tweets are even real. It, but I do know his dad hinted at this earlier, the idea that he could or could not go to the draft, depending on who comes out. Uh, the the tweet I saw that I'm not even going to say, I don't, I don't know if it was real or not, but it basically had a list of teams that he would play for. Uh, it, it, some of the ones that were like potentially could be at the top of the draft, he, he listed all of them basically except for Chicago. So it, it was basically if that was really from him, it was his way of saying I will not play for Chicago, which I don't blame him at all. But I also, you know, the the 49ers were on that list. Like that's I don't know if he's seen Brock Birdie, but that ain't happening. Um, and I I just I don't but I would call his bluff that he will not go back to USC for another year. I understand the NIL money is good. Part of what this tweet that may or may not be real said was he can make more at USC than he can his first year in the NFL. So if I don't like who's at the top of the draft, I will go back. I'm just going to call his bluff on that because yes, NIL money is good. And yes, you can make more. Maybe that, that all might be true, but it doesn't protect against long-term injury. It doesn't protect against an ACL or if you have shoulder injury or something happens where you have to miss a season or more. The the NIL money at that point is, is not a four year deal or an insurance plan or, you know what I mean? So I, I would just call his bluff where, you're you're not not going to the draft. I don't. I, I would almost say it doesn't matter who gets the number one overall pick. He's going to go to the draft. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I know this is the NFL's worst nightmare, but you know, it's going to happen eventually, where someone goes the, you know, Brandon Jennings route, if you will, um, or even Maurice Claret, which is a not a perfect example. Neither of them are, <laughs> but recognizing that where am I going to be picked? And if it's not advantageous, I sit, maybe I play, maybe I take a year off to train, 
But if I'm being honest, is getting hurt playing for USC any worse than getting hurt playing for whatever they're doing in Chicago right now? No, but Chicago's the one. (laughs) Yeah, Chicago's the one where I agree, though. Where I'm like, I don't, I don't think anyone should have to go to Chicago at this point. That's how I feel. So, like, I agree with him on that. Uh, I also, I agree that the I don't even think the draft should exist. If you want my big picture uh, view on this, I think everyone should just be a free agent. Teams should have bidding wars for who they want. That's what I would like to see. But I, I know that that's that's a paradigm you know shift that's way far down the line if even in my lifetime but i i do i appreciate the bluff i would appreciate a year off to train i think he's good enough that he could do that i just think playing another year of college yeah i just think yeah i think another year of college football just doesn't it doesn't make sense you don't stand to gain anything like you can because he can make money anyway right like I, I don't know. I just I, I I get what he's I basically feel like this is they saw Chicago is going to be so bad early again. And maybe the Cardinals were also not on this tweet that may or may not be real. I just want to stress that. But this just seemed like a, a early campaign that was I am not going to Chicago. And I couldn't be happier about that because I'm a Raiders guy and the Raiders were on this may or may not be real tweet. Um, all right. Next, I mentioned I mentioned this guy's name. I want to connect it to college football here. Um, Brock Purdy's good at football. He's a very good NFL quarterback. People need to get over that and accept it. Um, where someone is drafted yeah. is not – it's not a reflection of them so much as the evaluators, right? So I think everyone has been stuck on the fact that he was the last pick for far too long. Uh, where you're drafted, to me, is not – like that says more about – yeah, a whole bunch of people in the league are bad at evaluating, especially quarterbacks. Uh, if you watch college football, there's no way you said Brock Purdy, who was good at Iowa State. But I don't know how Matt Campbell, like I officially am here for Matt Campbell to not get any jobs because at one point he had Brock, Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and went five and four in the Big 12. So I, um, I don't think Matt Campbell should get any jobs based off of that fact right there. Cause if you've watched, if you're seeing Bryce, Reese Hall is amazing. And again, I, I'm not going to do a breakdown, but Brock Purdy is a very good NFL quarterback and he's in a great situation, but he's also good. And so Matt Campbell, no more jobs for you. You have both of them and you, you went, you, you did the same thing Iowa state does every year. So I just, that's, that's an anti Matt Campbell endorsement for you. I think uh, this is pro football talk that said this, but they said something like the 49ers have such an elite coaching staff that they for years have made bad quarterbacks look okay, okay quarterbacks look good, good quarterbacks look very good, and take it on, take it on down. So, yeah, Brock Purdy certainly is not bad. Um, at least for me, I am unclear about how good he actually is because the 49ers are the opposite of what the Chicago Bears are as far as quarterback development and putting folks in position to succeed yeah no they his again situation matters and it helps um but i'm just i'm telling you now he's not jimmy garoppolo he's not alex smith he's not along for the ride he's yes anyone would be a beneficiary just like jalen hurts with there's weapons everywhere uh you know 
good quarterbacks like who get weapons everywhere are going to be the beneficiary of wow a lot of people open and a good coaching staff it's the perfect storm but i've seen him play enough that is 13 games in now he makes yeah. them better like he's good and so that like that again nfl talk but like 49ers aren't losing to anybody so long as that is operating as it is because he's not like the difference between him and jimmy garoppolo i think people maybe need more time but they'll see he's not uh one of these system oh this you know let me just do whatever i'm told here like yes that but Great anticipation, great touch, great read. Like it's the stuff I say about Shador Sanders in terms of the processing and timing and accuracy. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lot of that. But again, that's pro talk. Let's get back to college. Yeah. Weeknight. Um, FIU had or F yeah FIU had turnover uh, t-shirt cannons when their one of their players got a pick. Came to the sideline, grabbed a t-shirt cannon, and started launching it into the crowd somewhere around mid-second quarter. And I'm here for, like, fun celebrations, but it's just wild to me. Like, just... It, it is i don't i feel like i sound like an old person i did not play college football that long ago but the idea of in the middle of yes we got a turnover we would get hype on the sideline but like grabbing a t-shirt canning and shooting it into the crowd multiple <laughs> times is just a, that's a far step from the type of celebration like turnover chain is you know you put a chain on somebody we had a championship belt people have like props but the t-shirt can and that makes thing. sense for recruiting too. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay, like dope. I want to be able to get correct. a chair and wear the chain one day. Co- correct. But the Grabbing t-shirt a cannon. <laughs> that's the, that's <laughs> I was like, yo, that's another level of because he had to like look in the crowd, see, do the whole like hype squad. Who wants who wants this t-shirt? Who where should I shoot it next? And it's like, bro, good turnover. Uh, get back to the bench because you like you gotta. Game plan. Like, we got to talk about the next drive, what we're about to do. Like, I know you could do two things, but it's just funny because I'm also sure that they lost because they were playing Liberty. <laughs> so, like, or, or no, they didn't. Yeah, they were playing Liberty or whoever they're like, they lost. So, the other point of it is like, not only is it mid game, but then at any point, do you look back at like, damn, I was firing off the t shirt cannon? Remember, let's, let's I remember felt, the point. I felt good. Let's <laughs> not forget what all this is for. Yeah. It's entertainment. <laughs> uh, I'm, so I love it. I love it. It was just it's like that, that needed to be said. Yeah. But like winning is also important. Uh, so the t-shirt cannon, that's a, that's a new one. Uh, we had Liberty. Sorry, it's a separate note. Liberty just continued their undefeated streak. I, I wanted, I, I called their undefeated season at the beginning of the season. So I'm just keeping an eye on that. They're going to run through the conference USA. Uh, Western Kentucky almost blew a 28 point lead. They did not. Uh, Nebraska got its first conference win under Matt Rule. They're at 500. Just keep an eye on them. Like, I I don't know that they're going to blow anybody away, but I did like the Matt Rule hire. I do think whatever people think about him, he has a track record of building programs wherever he's been. Like, that's just undeniable. He made Temple a thing. He brought Baylor back after the Art Riles debacle. Um, I think he will get Nebraska to the point where they're a seven or eight win team which for them like i know they feel like they should be national champions every year still like it's the 90s but um if if you could win seven eight in a you know in a year at nebraska you're doing a good job i think he can get them there in you know less time than than people think so just keep an eye on nebraska i love to make fun of matt rule every time they lose a big game i will but they're gonna beat the illinois of the world 
and the Purdue's and so, you know, some of those other schools, like they're going to beat those schools. So just keep an eye on that. Um, last one, shout out to Dion for making his kicker do a dance after he made the game winning field goal. I've never, I've never seen a coach get mad, push the player back on the field to go, no, do, do a dance, do your dance, do a dance. And the kicker had to do some dance. And then Dion was like, all right, now you can come off the set, you know, come off the field. Um, but he was immediately not happy with the team because they almost lost Arizona State, understandably so. I like that he said in those standards high. Like, just from the outside in, it's like, you know, you're Colorado. You guys, yeah, you battle with Arizona State. That's what this program has been for the last 10 years. Getting that victory has not even been a guarantee for Colorado the last 10 years. So you're moving in the right direction. Don't be – I love that the standards high, but, you know, take take the wins, man. Take the wins. Be mad at the team I mean, in public. Be mad at the team in, in in private, I guess. But publicly, just take the wins. Don't give any anybody any ammo. I mean, say what you want to about Dion and theatrics and blah, blah, blah. We're going to the game. He's actually one of the more muted sideline personalities that I've seen this year. Yeah. He's I, not yelling. He's not screaming. <laughs> he's not getting after folks. Like, he really is. Like, seems like he knows what he's doing. And he's being very controlled. And so, he doesn't think, get any credit for that. Tell me if he you knows think what he's doing. Tell me if you think this is I, I think that's the player part. I think there's a part of players who just know that once the ball is snapped or even before that, like once you get to kickoff, you kind of as a player and good coach, you know, the work is done. The work was done Monday through Friday. Once you get to Saturday, the, it, it, it's about the execution part. But a large part of the work is done. And there's certain things that if you're getting beat on. There is no fixing that on the field on Saturday. You lost already, um, and so I just think there's a, a element of like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have control always, and like my anger or yelling or rage will not change that. Um, so you're right. He's his sideline demeanor is great. His messages pre and post, I mean, post game is great. The way he loves into the kids is great. Um, like, I, I love it. I don't know where he's taking the act. People want to put him on the Cowboys immediately after last night's game. So I don't know where the show goes with Dion, but um, I, I love it for now. Yeah, I love it. And I love when they get, you know, when they get their victories, enjoy them. Because again, this was a one win program last year. They have four yeah. wins. They have four wins now. I think they can get, you know, six or seven. They're going to be in a bowl game. All that's a victory. Yeah, they uh, came up this weekend as well. This is no, not a, not a, NFL podcast, but they were asking some Broncos players about what the Jeff saying pregame. And they were like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. no matter what's said pregame, no matter what goes viral, you got to go out there and play. And, yep. you know, motivation and stuff like that may matter for kickoff, maybe, but like, it doesn't matter in the second quarter. It doesn't matter in the third or fourth quarter. You just have to play the game. Yeah. So all uh, that is, they're saying all that is overblown, which I, which I buy. A thousand percent. I'll be honest with you. The ne I've never, maybe one time and it's usually a player a player might say something in a pregame tunnel before we come out or whatever that might get you going but it's never the coach in the pregame speech the day of a couple times i could recall the friday night you know playing on a saturday or going back to high school playing on friday the night before that speech where you, you know you go home and you're thinking about it you're visualizing reps that whole thing that speech tends to be more impactful than right before about to go out on the field because at that point you're you're already at your ultimate hype to the point where I'm hearing you, but I'm not really at that point I'm locked in on what I'm about to go do. I'm not really listening to whatever the pregame speech is, whether it's 
how good it is whatever whatever yeah yeah. like and it's not it's no not some are better than others some are not but it's just like at that point you know the 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 the, to me the more impactful one is that night before and at that point we're locked in going out it's more going to be you know something might juice you up again if it's a player especially one who doesn't have to say a lot but goes out and makes plays but is just going to say his his piece right before we run out or whatever but yeah so um, yeah, I've given great speeches, and but I think our great speeches, and we've won. I'm giving bad speeches, and we've also won, and vice versa. And I've given yeah. yep. tremendous speeches, and we've lost, and I've given bad speeches, and we won. It, yeah, we don't need to over over dial on what these things actually mean in the grand scheme. Players got to play, coaches got to coach. Yeah, exactly. Execution. It's 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 about the execution, which again, I think Dion or as a former player, you just know you're kind of watching the game and we're either executing or we're not. At this point, you know, I can make adjustments, but me yelling or like screaming or they're not they're not very rarely does a football team lose because they're not hyped enough. Like that is a very rare because what you're going out there to do is insane. So you already have to jack yourself up to a level of hype. But mm-hmm. there's very rareness mm-hmm. where I need to get you more hype. If anything, it's usually like let's settle down and focus on what we need to do. But right. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to let's get to is for real because we have some movement this week for sure. At least I know I did. Just one, I guess we had a change, which is movement. Um, the Red River rivalry, the shootout. The last time it'll officially be played i guess in that capacity like they might play again obviously going to sec but last time is big 12 uh texas state fair always a great scene but oklahoma uh oh yeah oklahoma got the victory um i won't say i predicted this but i will say that i've been high on oklahoma this season and that this was their only not only, but that this was the test. And if they got by this, the road to the playoffs was just, it's theirs, right? If they drop a game, they drop a game, but this is it. Um, so I'm going to do my four real quick. I kept Ohio State at four. They've been my four. I think your four is Michigan last week, if I'm not mistaken. So that's like our our varying team. But then our other three were the same. So I don't know if you did how I did it, but I basically just swapped out Texas at the three put Oklahoma there. So I got uh, Ohio State at four, Oklahoma at three, Florida State stays at two, and Washington was on the bye still. So I kept them at one. And I think Georgia also went out and just kind of made a statement about this is, at least for me, this is why I say they're just going to stay at this one spot for me. We don't have to debate it. It doesn't matter unless they lose. Like, they're still... Yeah, they heard us all talking. Yep, they're still... Yeah, they're still the... The measuring stick. So uh that's that's my four. Do you have a different four? Is Michigan still your your four over OSU? And then what did you do in terms of Oklahoma, Texas, that type of movement? Yeah, I mean, obviously with the loss, I have to swap out. Um, I'm going to swap out Oklahoma for Texas. Um as you already said, I think Oklahoma has the best, has one of the clearest pathways to run the table. I think they're favored. Uh, as far as like a 80 plus percent win percentage in the remainder of the games. Um, and what's going to make this interesting is if they both went at what happens in the rematch when they see each other again, speaking right. of Oklahoma and, and Texas. That'd be great. Yeah, be- yeah, it would be. And I'll make the, make the selection for some of these, uh, 
this playoff hard. Yeah, particularly if if you're saying if Texas, holds. yeah, if Texas were to get the win and then they you know they have that series split and you're looking at uh, you know two one loss teams in that sense with their losses being at the hands of each other, both at mutual sites too, because if they met, it would be at the championship game mutual site. Mm-hmm. Now it's mm-hmm. supposed to be a mutual site. I feel like every year that game is more, it's louder when Texas does stuff than Oklahoma. Like it is still the Texas state fair. I know it's supposed to be like kind of close to the Oklahoma border and all I get it, but it just does always. And I know maybe the burnt orange is more so than the maroon. And I don't want to jump ahead here. We will talk about that game, but it always seems more like Texas is in the house for that one. Speaking of house transition, Heisman house. Um, not a, I mean, to me, not a lot of movement. One, maybe a couple names that we're going to throw in there. I think Caleb Williams, you know, does what he does, stays in the master bedroom. Michael Penix off week, stays in the bedroom next door. Uh, Jaden Daniels, we said he got his own room last week. Um, he he has to he, stay. He's he, not responsible he, he for this doing, atrocious defense. Yeah, I mean, he keeps doing what he has to do for them to get these victories. Um, and like that was, it, he, he saved their season. I mean, they've already, you know, they're, they're, Superman two, performance. They're, they're two losses in, but like you drop another one, you go for it. Now it's a whole different, like they got to stay ranked because of this. And he did what he did again. Um, so he's staying in Bo Nix off week again, no reason to drop him. And I see no reason, nobody out playing to jump him. There are just a couple names knocking on the door. We talk about the only non-quarterback potential candidate. Brock Bowers is unguardable. Um, still. Still, yes, remains to be guarded. We'll see if anyone can do it. The answer will probably be no. But he would be the only non-quarterback, I think, that could get some recognition. And then I think Dylan Gabriel's performance overall, like he's been doing it all year. But this was a big spot moment. Um, that final drive again. Don't I won't jump ahead. We'll talk about the game. But the final drive was what. That's a Heisman moment right there. Just the way he played all game. Uh, real, real poised. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I say he's knocking. He's not in there yet. But like that. That was the moment. And if he you know continues putting up the numbers, like we said, their path is there. They can be an un, unbeaten at the end of the year with the quarterback putting up numbers like that. You'd have to give him at least a look. Um, do you have anybody, anybody else that we feel maybe not in there, but like just keep an eye out for that? I mean, you know, I know Cam Ward. Nope, like that. That's over now. So that, unfortunate that that UCLA performance wasn't it. Um, to me, Quentin Ewers, too many, too many picks, man, to start the game. Like you know that they that I know that game became a game, and he had some moments, but um, got out outplayed there. I'm not. I mean, Drake may play fine. I I don't know about like highs. You know what I mean? Heisman from him, it still kind of feels nah. So I, I, I think I, I think our our quarterback options right now are just. It's I, good, I, I right? can't see him. Anybody else you name to to be unseated by anybody else we haven't already talked about this year. Yeah, I, I, it's they're too good. I would agree. Um, all right, let me speed through. Um, I was gonna say. If, oh, you got one. I don't know if there's gonna be. I think this is dependent upon some like big games towards the end of the year, but I could see somebody like, um, oh man, 
someone like uh, Blake Corum mm-hmm. busting through. Yeah, he. I mean, he's his been... numbers aren't aren't great right now, but he's he's obviously like been carrying the torch of this Michigan offense along with JJ McCarthy, and I could see some big games making him part of the conversation. Yeah, I think what's been killing him is, I mean, not, you know, not just the position. Uh, he's split in time with Edwards, the other back, who also also has his moments. I mean, Corum is is more the feature, but I think that's he's kind of a, uh, and I guess they really haven't had that spotlight moment. But I do think you're right because you know, last year he was a before he got injured, which was unfortunately before the Ohio State game too. Because if if he would have played in that, had kind of like a moment, or he might have played, but he was banged up. But I thought he would have been a finalist last year had he not missed some time due to injury. Uh, well, right, yeah, and he's and he's getting pulled early as well. Yeah, that's some of these games. Yeah. So let's just move. Let's move on to some games. I want to get to as many games as possible. Uh, first team all name because I might have skipped that last week. Um, Major, I'll go with Major Everhart as a wide receiver from TCU. That's just that sounds like a NCAA created player name. Um, but shout out Major Everhart, wide receiver TCU. It just also made me think of Major Applewhite. Major anything, it's just a good name. Uh, all right, let's go. 12 o'clock window. Uh before we get to the top five notes, UMass, Taysen Fomacan is that uh, ACC backup Georgia Tech Clemson quarterback I talk about. Super battle-tested team who they lost, but they cover spreads. I just want to throw that out there. Like, if you guys see a UMass with a big spread against them because they're UMass, and they play a really tough schedule because they're FBS independent, so they can play whoever they want. And whoever the AD for UMass is, get went, paid, get whoever paid. the UMass AD is, went crazy and just started circling all these. Besides the battle with the you know, state of New Mexico that I mentioned, just circle all these good ass teams. Like they're going to play like some Big Ten teams, an SEC team. I think they played Auburn already, but you know, dollar signs. Like you said, there there is money attached to to all of these. Uh, and you're an FBS independent to take these matchups. So shout out to you, UMass, and uh, Taysom Fomacon. He's 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 a fun quarterback to watch. Um, and I'm sure UMass. I mean, I don't know the history of UMass quarterbacks. Feel like they never had a quarterback like that before. Um, let's see. Western Michigan got the early cowbell work. 11 a.m. local time in Mississippi State game. Lackluster cowbell levels feel like the crowd was just kind of last week I was critical because it was late and they were too drunk to give us the cowbell energy <laughs> and now this time I'm a little critical it's a little sleepy cowbell energy the sweet spot for their cowbells is anywhere between like the one o'clock and four o'clock window um but they they beat up a western Michigan team real early uh Marshall NC State kind of kind of called that one uh but NC State did get the victory Good job, you know, game stealing pick. Or did they get the victory? Did Marshall win? Let me see. No, I don't think so. Yeah, Marshall won. Right? NC State, right? Yeah. Not that they lost. Yeah, okay, they lost. Yeah. So NC State did end up. It was close. It was a very close game. NC State got that victory. Um, but it's always dangerous playing Sunbelt team. NC State, good job. Um, Marshall, those types of games for the Sunbelt teams are the best because, like, you know, they're playing for championships in their conference. If they beat a power five like that, it's awesome. If they don't, it's really no 
you know, no, no harm, no foul there. They, they, they are still playing for a conference championship. So watch out for Marshall in the Sun Belt. Uh, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. That still gets them a win on the recruiting trail. They can say that, yo, we can go toe to toe with the ACC schools. Yeah, that right. really is a win-win, even if they lose. Yep, and Mar- yeah, the Marshall oh, head coach, the Marshall head coach, whose name I should have written down. Uh, his name is going to be mentioned a lot for you know some of the bigger openings that may come up. That's a name to to look out for because of what they built over there. Um, Rutgers, Wisconsin. 19 and a half was the spread there. If I told you, I, I don't even think it matters who's playing, who's the quarterback. If I told you, hey, I'm going to take 19 and a half points away from any Wisconsin football team, would you feel good about that? Because I wouldn't. They just don't score enough points that you could just go giving 19 of them away. So I took they the don't, other side of that. And it they worked don't out. even look like they can score that many points. That's like when you see a spread that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. They, they they scored twenty six. They beat Rucker. Uh, uh, they beat Rutgers. I think it was like twenty six fifteen something like that. Now twenty seven. Like they 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 did not cover the spread. They won by a score, two scores maybe, like a, a touchdown, a field goal, or like fourteen fifteen points something like that. But yeah, just any that was another case of you know I don't watch a lot of Wisconsin this year, but I know I know um, you know new coaching staff and. I, I get it. I like that higher too, right? But um, it's going to take time, and they don't score points. So that was an easy spread to cover. Uh, UVA. UVA got that victory, baby. On homecoming. Shout out to Tony Elliott. Shout out to UVA for rocking pink in October. Uh, make October pink again. That goes for college, NFL. I missed that time where you just had the pink, the towels, the sweatbands, the gear for Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October. It looked cool. It was for a great cause, promoted awareness for, like, for, you know, for a disease that we could all donate to and the swag that people would buy would go to that. It was super cool. So bring that back. But shout out to UVA. Big, big victory over William and Mary. Uh, and and a, apparently a rivalry that goes back to the early 1900s because of how old both of those damn schools are. So shout out to you, UVA. Um, Maryland, Ohio State. I don't think it mattered. To This is what I wrote, start of the game. Do, I don't care what happens in this game. I'm going to turn it on the fourth quarter and Ohio State's going to win. I just feel like that's what Maryland is, particularly against an Ohio State. They might give you the threat or the illusion that they can beat them, but they can't. I, it just that's just my feeling. Like that, un, until I'm proven otherwise, that's fine. But I just that game got one of the small screens in my house. I I, I know it was an unranked, I mean, an unbeaten versus an unbeaten conference matchup. But maybe if it was at Maryland, I would have felt even a little more like it could happen. But I just felt like we all know what's going to happen in this game, and that's exactly what happened. But Maryland, yeah, I I was surprised to see that Maryland hasn't beat a top twenty five team yet because they they always seem like they're close. Yeah, but they just haven't gotten over the hump yet. Yeah, no, and again, like we've talked about, Mike Loxley, I like him a lot. He's a guy who I've said if if one of those bigger jobs can open up, please go take it because Maryland has a ceiling, and I think that ceiling is yeah, you're not going to beat Ohio State, not going to beat Michigan. You know, maybe you can beat Penn State, maybe. Um, but there were two undefeated schools that going into this weekend, people were unsure about. Uh, we've talked about Louisville. I've said I believed in them. We'll get to them. 
but Maryland was the other one. And I was like, I'm not going to talk about Maryland really like that until I, you know, this Ohio state game, like here's your chance. And, and no, you know, you're not there yet. So, but Maryland, you know, keep going. Beat, don't lose to the Purdue's and the Illinois and the Rutgers. Like, beat all of those schools that you should beat. Have the losses be to Ohio State and Penn State or whatever. And that's a really good season. Like, you were talking about that helps with recruiting. Like, you can you can win some regional battles against some other schools around that area now. You know, they, they battle with Penn State for recruits, as ridiculous as that sounds. So, you know, win some of the other games, that might help. Red River rivalry. Um, I just want to talk about. I want to talk about the end of that game. I want to talk about that drive. The thirty-six seconds left, no timeout. Call the quarterback draw. Then the next play is a motion play. So just the supreme confidence of knowing the clock, knowing the situation. The quarterback said it at the end. I mean, I said I'm saying it as I'm watching it. This is this is Thursday practice. This is the end of every Thursday practice. Is you do this, you do two minute drills, you do these situations. He said they do it on Wednesday. You know, people do it different, but that's that was just watching that was knowing like this is exactly what you drill. They did it perfectly. They knew the clock. They knew when to spike it. They knew situation. The play calling in that situation was great. Uh, back and forth. Guess who's never paying for a drink again in Norman? Yeah, seriously, back and forth game. Um, the whole Oklahoma's back thing, I think, is a little overblown. Like I said, they they ruined the rivalry last year because they got beat down. But I don't know. Like, first of all, Lincoln Riley has only been gone a year, so it's a year. But secondly, like, when's the last time Oklahoma wasn't a nine ten win team? Like having a great season, playing in a New Year's bowl game or better. That the the Texas thing, like Texas has had some rough for time. So Texas is back is a more worthy thing to say. The Oklahoma was back thing. I thought that just people just wanted to say that because to me, Oklahoma never went anywhere. Like they had a bad season. They're they're fine. Everyone calm down. Yeah, we're talking apples and oranges. Like, nah. Oklahoma's been a perennial top ten team for forever. They had one bad season, like you said. Let it go, y'all. Y'all are reaching. Y'all are reaching. I get blank insert school here back is just like a fun thing that people like to say now. Sometimes it applies to schools who were never here in the first place. So the back part is just like, what are we doing? And then other times it's like this where it's like they never left. What are you what are we doing? But anyway, moving on three o'clock window. I mentioned the disappointment of Washington State. We'll do the stock game probably later this uh, week. Uh, but uh, but you uh, and you and I both had Washington State. I had State. such high hopes for you, Washington State. Yeah, we had some Washington State stock. Um UCLA, UCLA with a defense. That's that's the shocker. Like I'm I'm used to UCLA, maybe high scoring offense, but UCLA and Chip Kelly, no less, with a defense. Um that was impressive. So I, I told you I texted you I got the Fubo, Fubo free pass for just for this. Saturday because there were like four games on the Pac-12 network that I did want to watch. Uh, I'm not going to do this again, but man, it's bad business that their network is so ter- is terrible. I'm, I'm not supporting them out of principle because what? I mean, I'm not supporting it again. It's free. I, it's free yeah, trial no, it's free. on Fubo and then boom, done. But yeah, that was that was uh, 
the only time I got to see some of those. So, like, yeah, UCLA, I, I've seen them play once, but their defense against Washington State, super impressive. Um, but, yeah, that that was that was unfortunate. Washington State, high hopes for you. I mean, they can maybe bounce back, but that, that was a tough one. And it doesn't make me feel good about, you know, playing Washington or Oregon or some of these other schools. Um, let's see. The HBCU game of the week. Texas State versus uh, Louisiana. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Those aren't HBCUs. Alabama versus Bethune-Cookman. Alabama State versus Bethune-Cookman. HBCU game of the week. Um, missed most of the halftime, but I, I I caught another one. Who else did I catch? Oh, Grambling. I saw Grambling uh, playing. Who did I play? Hmm. I'll have to look. I saw Grambling was playing Feels Like Summer, Childish Gambino at one of the halftime. So there's two HBCU games on at one time, different networks. Shout out to you guys. Um, Northwestern, the disrespect of inviting Howard to a homecoming. I just feel like Howard is the one school whose homecoming is nationally famous, no matter whether you went there or not. And Northwestern, for you to invite barely one. Yeah, for you to invite Howard to your homecoming to beat to win whatever sixteen to nine or whatever embarrassing ass score it was, shame on you. Do better. Not just that they were up and had Howard shut out, and Howard came roaring back in the second half. <laughs> I, yeah, it looked. I think halftime was nine nine nothing or like twelve not something like that. It was some weird number score too. Nothing. You want to talk about halftime speeches? Howard got a halftime speech. <laughs> yeah, uh, yo. We didn't get invited to Northwestern's homecoming to score no points. That's you think not... this journalism school <laughs> got something on y'all? <laughs> y'all the future world leaders in here. What are we talking about? Go ahead and uh, show them what you got. Yeah. So that was I, I was rooting to you, man. rooting rooting so hard for Howard to just spoil Northwestern's homecoming, but couldn't get it done. Um, but yeah, shout out to the effort there. Uh, all right, back to the list. Four o'clock, Virginia Tech at Florida State. Um, I, I, this game, I mean, Virginia Tech played their best game of the year, even in a loss. Uh, if you've seen what they've been doing all year, but I just felt, I don't know, Florida State didn't, it didn't need to be this close. Like, I feel like they could have stayed, they got up on them. I feel like they could have twisted the knife a little bit and, and kind of ended this one, but the, it seemed kind of like a playing with their food situation. Uh, Florida State, yeah, Virginia Tech, no disrespect, shout out to the plays they made to keep it close, but that game just felt like it was closer longer than it needed to be. Yeah, this felt like some of the uh, beginning and middle of the Jimbo, Jameis Winston era, where Florida State's really clearly the best school in the ACC. They're going to make whatever playoff or championship there is. They just have to just survive every week in the ACC. And so they blow out some teams, sleepwalk through others. Um, so yeah, I just that's that's what I was uh, reminded of when I watched them play this week in the past few weeks. To be honest, yeah, that's fair. I think it, and I mean, playing with had, their food is right. They've had yeah, that's that's kind of what I what I feel like because when they've had those big time to get up for it games, so to speak, at you know at Clemson opener LSU. Um, you know, they they've performed like they've 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 done what they need to do, especially LSU. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, we've just seen, you know, the Boston College game, this Virginia Tech game at times. Boston College was on the road, a little bit of a different story. But um, you know, just the the rest of their schedule until the Miami game, who we'll talk about, and then Florida end of the year. Like there's there's some of those. There's the Syracuse, Duke, Wake Forest, Pitt. There's just some of those games. It's like, you know, they could be sleepy games or harder to get up for with when when your eyes on the kind of prize at the end of the road. Um so I've just those are those matchups to just keep an eye on and and just I, I want to see I would like to see more of those games be over before the third quarter just so I could feel better about you know comparing them to a to a Georgia to a Oklahoma to a Washington you know to some of these top teams but you know a win is in college football a win is a win I will not nitpick too much uh, Central Florida apparently is a big enough school that 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 Jaden Daniels is is afraid or Jalen Daniels is afraid of them because he did not <laughs> he did not play again. So Central Florida, shout out to you, UCF, for achieving blue blood power dog status because Jalen Daniels said not this week. We'll see if he comes back next week. I forget who they play. Uh they did I mean I'm sure he was planning to because I know he probably was one at one point wanted to play against Oklahoma, but you know, probably not now. Probably so he has to not pick his spots better. <laughs> so here's the thing, because they got at Oklahoma State, who we've said like just when you think they're not good, they're gonna get a win. As much as Mike Gundy is not I, I don't agree with a lot of Mike Gundy things, he he's gonna get you seven, eight wins every year, somehow, some way. So Kansas has to go to Oklahoma State next week. That feels like too, too, I don't know, Jalen Daniels. And then it's Oklahoma after that. I don't know what Jalen Daniels is going to do, but keep an eye on it. But shout out to Central Florida for, you know, they lost. So, that you know, they, they, their, their season hopes are, are their Big 12 hopes not getting off to a great start. But they are a big enough program that Jalen Daniels don't want don't want any, any smoke there. Uh, Syracuse, North Carolina. It's probably the most complete, best Drake May I've seen, just like from start to finish. And I, I, I tuned in to watch as much of this game as I could because I kind of wanted to watch that. Syracuse was unbeaten. Um, we had to give them that respect until, you know, shown otherwise. And 40 to 7 is is just you know all right Syracuse little little fraudulent or I guess they lost once before I, I pardon they lost who they lose they lost a week before uh Clemson sorry they yeah, were un, yeah, yeah they're unbeaten coming into Clemson so I guess we kind of seen them exposed a, a little bit um but yeah but Drake made 33 for 47 4 42 and three touchdowns um he just looked in command all day um and they got Tez Walker back so our Washington State stock didn't do any good but I guess you don't have any North Carolina stock. I have some North Carolina stock. I feel good at least about that. I had to find some teams to feel good about. Alabama, I feel good about too. That was Dino Baby is going to be on the hot seat soon, unfortunately, and that's going to be a mistake. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good. They've been good. They've had some of their more successful, relevant seasons in recent years. I don't – if it comes to that, that's just stupid. Like, there's only – we talk about this all the time. There's only so much winning you could do at a program like Syracuse in football. Um, hell, even Jim Beheim, you know, on a national championship level could only be somewhat successful. I don't want to knock him. Obviously, it was very longevity-wise, but, like, Syracuse is a tough place to recruit, man. It's cold. It's far. It, 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 
it's not football town or you know football area yeah what do you the even country. like it's just tough so that would be you like have you no said, recruiting base yeah that would be stupid to your point if they do that that is a that is a dumb thing to do so don't fire dino babbers uh final game in that three o'clock window bama texas a&m tough tough road test for bama um Jimbo Fisher plus uh, Saban. Did you happen to catch the handshake afterward? I feel like I totally. I, I, I made a note like, oh yeah, I gotta watch the handshake, and then I didn't. I, I didn't. I just said I don't know if I was looking at something else or whatever, but I I missed the handshake, so I don't know how icy it was or not good. But I didn't hear or see anything after, which leads me to believe it was probably pretty quick, pretty straightforward. Uh, but Nick oh, Saban, yeah. we would have heard about it if not. And if yes, Nick Saban if... wants it to be smoked, he'll be smoked. But if he's moving on, then it's, it's no problem. Yeah. All right. I so I assume it was all good. He uh, Nick Saban gets the victory. Um, t- that's that I think is their toughest remaining road test. They got to play LSU at home now. Um, so you know, my turn into one of Saban's best coaching jobs, and this is all said and done. They yeah, they're looking like a problem. Yeah, and just shout out to Tommy Reese for um, you know, I'm I'm seeing the offense kind of look. I'm seeing Jalen Moreau look more comfortable in the offense with each week. Put it like that. Um, so then I feel like you know Tommy Reese is starting to call the game more to the strengths of this team now, whereas those first couple of weeks. I just feel like he was emptying out the playbook as maybe, you know, thinking I'm at Alabama now. We got all the best players. We're better than everybody. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, your your quarterback is is strong in these areas. You know, you're, you can establish a run game with the O-line first. Like, your defense isn't good at these things. So, I feel like they're just learning, like you said, coaching job. They're learning their team. They're starting to to, to gel and play good football at the right time. Um, so as quick as everyone wanted to bury Alabama, like I said last week, it just seemed premature. Like Texas is a good team. They lost a close game to Texas. Uh, they looked bad the following week because they were jerking around with their quarterback situation. But once they stop doing that, we see what they're capable of. Also that Burton guy, number three, he's their only receiver, but he's really good. He had like 20, seven catches it seemed like he's the only guy there it was the only guy they were throwing to um but yeah it's a different type of team so like you said Saban's got to got to really not that you don't have to coach in other situations but this is you you, it matters more when you know you're not overwhelmingly dominant with talent when you're kind of on the same playing field with maybe some of these other teams coaching is going to matter more all right, Fresno State. Yeah, this is also a testament to like, yo, you know, I think coaches sometimes get into their own pride and ego. That sometimes happens a lot, right? Yeah. And they, they're so committed to the way they want to do things, their scheme, their preferences. Like, you know, you got to open your eyes and see the talent that you have. Okay. Jalen Miro is not going to complete 8% of his passes on these two intermediate routes. So he can bomb down the field all day. So just let him do it. Yeah, and they stop trying again, to make him a West Coast quarterback. At least now, do that in the off season. But for now, like he has something that works, run it and win ten games. Yeah, and that's 
it's tougher because they only seem to have one, maybe two of those guys on the outside to let him bomb it to that win those one-on-ones. But that's even more. All right, you got to scheme it up to where if Burton's the guy, you got to scheme it up to where he gets those one-on-ones. However you got to do it, that's how you got to do it. But yeah, they seem to be figuring it out. Um, all right, moving. Next six to eight o'clock window. I'll blow through these. Um, Boise State, maybe they just can't be like the same anymore because the NIL, I'm wondering, like they, they beat San Jose State, but they, they had to fight, they had to battle to do so. I'm wondering if just like the players that used to go to Boise State because it was the powerhouse small school. I feel like there's 25 of those now just because the talent pool thinned out more places to go. NFL scouts will find you anywhere. NIL opportunities everywhere. Transfer portal. If you were, you know, a backup at a school like Boise State, well, now I'm just going to transfer. I'll go over somewhere else where I could play right away. So I just feel like if the Boise States of the world, not just specific to them, but if those types of schools that used to just kind of have a stranglehold on the non-Power Five type of conferences, if that's just going to kind of thin out, not thin out, but if there's just going to be more of those, and so you're going to have, you know, Boise State's going to have to fight for their seven, eight wins now. Uh, against you know the Western Kentuckys or you know the the Liberties or some of these other programs now that are like doing similar things. Yeah, my my quick thoughts on that is I think the NIL has created more opportunities for schools without recently good football programs or football traditions to compete with some of these other schools that win one based on like theme and style. So I think Boise State's one of those schools who are always able to get those like three-star players that fell through the cracks. But yep. now it's like I can go play at Boise State or I can go to SMU, who's not good, but they have a ton of money there right. for NIL. So I think it's schools like that that are benefiting most. And then schools who used to get the leftover talent that they developed that are going to be struggling the, the, the most with this. Yeah, it's interesting to watch. So when I see those types of programs, it's like, you know, Boise State beating up San Jose State is as old as time. And they, they were they were fighting down there. So just kept an eye on that. Um Wyoming at or Fresno State at Wyoming. I, I kinda I, I, I called this as the sleeper game of the week. Uh Wyoming beat Fresno State. It's kind of Fresno State's first first test. I thought that they maybe had the potential to run the table. Um, but I also I guess I, I was on both sides of this or I had kept an eye on both of these teams the wyoming uh texas game i came away from that saying wyoming's a good team texas didn't you know sleepwalk through that or you know texas didn't put up a stinker after beating alabama that's a good wyoming team uh i i think wyoming should be ranked i think they might be getting looks for it like fresno state was just got ranked they just got to 25 i think or yeah they were at 25 as as late as last or 24 last week um Wyoming has one loss to Texas at Texas. They could like they competed. Yeah. And like I said, post game, uh, we saw that game like um, and they have the same way Fresno State, the same type of schedule to run the table. Um, I, I think that they should be getting looks to get into this top 25. So just keep an eye on that Wyoming team. Uh, 
Fresno State, I still think is good, but it, again, I just I, I knew this was the the test. Like if they were going to lose a game, it's going to be on the road at Wyoming. It's a tough place to play. You're a thousand miles above sea level or whatever it is. So just real, real, real hard to play there. Uh, Georgia Tech, Miami. Let's talk about it. Um, oh gosh! All, all I had for this, I game, have never seen that before. All I had, Mark Cristobal's coach at Oregon. Yeah, I mean he's done it before. Uh, all I had for this game, like beforehand, was just the notoriously whack ass vibes of Hard Rock Stadium for a college game. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like that's that's so going in. I'm like, eh, it's gonna be a sleepy ass game. I'll half pay attention, whatever. It's Georgia Tech. Miami should blow them out. And it's close game the entire time. It was a scoreless game for almost the entirety of the first half. I think Miami ended the half with a field goal, but I think it was a 0-0 half type of game. Um, so just just not good from Miami start to finish. But all that said, you play not good for 40 not even for 58 minutes you play not good maybe 59 minutes what was it 38 seconds left for 59 and however many seconds left you play not good but you find yourself ahead chance to win the game third and 11 with 38 seconds left you just have to snap the ball and take a knee the clock i believe at that point if it doesn't run out because if the ref immediately gets the ball puts it down, sets it, that at minimum would have taken six seconds. So at that point, okay, it's like 33, six. So it's like 20. Yeah, game would have been over. You wouldn't have had to run a play. So not only did they decide to run a play, they got in the shotgun. Stupid thing number one. Like I don't, like we, we're focused on the fumble and the fact that they called the play. They got in the fucking in shotgun. Third and whatever. So that already is dumb because if you snap it high or low or whatever, like you're already now, there's a chance for this snap to not work. Dumb thing number one. Dumb thing number two, we're going to run a, a, a off tackle. Like it wasn't a read option because, of course, the quarterback was never going to keep it, but it's a read option call. So there's a mesh point happening, which that is also could lead to fumble. Stupid thing number two. Then running back fumbles, which that is even questionable because it, it all you could argue he was down, but like at that point, the fact that you're putting the game in the ref's hands, it's it's just dumb. I the only time, like you said, that I've ever seen a coach call a play when they had the victory formation to win it was Mario Cristobal at Oregon two years ago when they lost to Stanford in regulation. He could have ended the game. He didn't. They fumbled. It's like same situation. They fumbled. Stanford forced overtime. They went into overtime and won. Now, at least Stanford had to go to overtime and fight in overtime to get the victory. Not only did Miami go into shotgun, call a read option where there's a mesh point, not then fumble the football, then lose the review. Then they somehow let the only thing that you can't let happen in that situation when you are now on defense happen in that situation, which is a guy just runs by all of your last defenders, just runs, just runs by them, just open. Just there's not anyone behind an offensive player with two seconds left on the clock and they lose and their season's over. That's that I felt for those kids. I felt for the fans. 
there were tears because that's a situation where we just did everything right and we lost because our coach is an idiot. Like that's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, man, I don't really know what to say. There's just there's so many evidence of mismanagement here. I think the first obvious one is not taking a knee at the end of the game. There's no reason to run a play. There's so many reasons why running a play is a bad idea. And they, of course, the worst case scenario happens. And even still, up to that point, I think uh, Georgia Tech had something like 70 passing yards. And that last drive that they had, they went for 76 passing yards. So you stopped them from throwing the entire game and somehow – even run defense that running, you let – and we've seen this time and again this season. You let receivers get behind you on Hail Marys. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, the only so – just, <laughs> just failures all around here. The only explanation I have for the Hail Mary after or whatever, like, I, I mean, not excuse-making making so much as just explaining. The defense has to be like, what do you mean we're going back on the field? Like what do you what do you mean? Like what what do you mean this game? What do you mean? Like I feel like even with the review, even I feel like they had to have still mentally been in some state of shock of like I can't like I can't believe we're we have to that we are on the field right now. Like I just I feel like that's the only thing that can because the the safety who or you know the 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 player whose responsibility it was to cover deep is their defensive captain. I think he's a senior, but certainly one of their leaders. So it's like, it's not even, uh, uh, you know, a, a young player or somebody who that situation or moment is something they're not prepared for or whatever. Like the only thing I could really go with is they just like, there is a mental element of like, are you kidding me? As you're putting your helmet back on, going out there, looking over to the sideline, D coordinator now who, it's not like you have to come up with a call. It's a, there's a situation where there's only like you know the call. These should be situations where the call is known. But I, you know, I don't know. It was like you said, it's a failure on every level. Their season's over. They can win the rest of the games. And I still like, and that includes beating Florida State. I still like, yes, they're top twenty-five. I still think that they will not have a shot at the playoffs, and I guess that means that they would have had to run the table to to get that. Um, but just it also makes – it shakes my confidence in any of their matchups going forward because if Georgia Tech can make you look like that, so can a lot of other teams. No disrespect, Georgia Tech. Congratulations to you guys. Uh, Colorado, Arizona State, we talked about it a little bit. Um it is slightly concerning that Colorado went that long without scoring because I know Arizona State's defense isn't much. But um, like we said, I, the goal for them, I think Colorado gets to six or seven wins, a bowl game, and that's a successful season. They still have to play USC. That's going to be a loss. They have to play Washington. That's going to be a loss. I don't know if they have to play Arizona, but I've seen enough from Arizona to know that that's, that could be a loss. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be tough. But uh, every victory – is an 100% increase on last year's season or more. So just keep that in mind as they play some of these tougher Pac-12 opponents. Kentucky, Georgia, we said no more slow start. Georgia said, okay, 
and just made that not a game, <laughs> made that not a game real quick. Took Kentucky right out of it. Um, established the line of scrimmage. I guess a lot of, you know, a lot of what I talked about last week was coachable uh, things that could be addressed. They addressed some of those things. But also what we might be seeing is that Georgia's offense might be better than their defense, which that certainly hasn't been the case the last couple of years, or at least more, more, yeah, I mean, I might even say better. I, I might say, like, Georgia's offense might be the thing that wins. Or let me say this. Georgia's offense may end up winning them more games this year than Georgia's defense. I'll say it like that. I can see that. Yeah. Their offense really seemed to wake up this week. Um, the way they rolled against Kentucky. I mean, that was, that was what you need to see. Yeah. Um, and this is... Just a general. This is a, a. This was a. There's levels to the shit game in terms of Kentucky ranked unbeaten at the time. You beat Florida, which Kentucky beating Florida in recent years has kind of become a regular thing. Florida needs to look themselves in the mirror about that. But I do think that Georgia. This has been like, I think what well, Kentucky was. I think 2017 they upset Georgia that one time. Big upset. One of their biggest program wins ever. And I think ever since that year. Because Kentucky's been, you know, on the up and up as a program. I think Georgia has just wanted to remind them you're not, not never again. Like you, you guys are having a good year. You could go on beating. You could be really good. You're not messing with us ever again. And I think this was we're just, we're the champs. Yeah, this was a statement. We run this statement game. Like they just wanted to to remind uh, Notre Dame, Louisville. Um, I would like to just take a victory lap real quick on being the only. Person nationally talking about Louisville for five, six straight weeks now. Uh, More so, it it started us as interest in, you know, just Jeff Brown returning and and just coming back to Louisville and running that program. Um, But then it morphed into, after watching them after the weeks, like, this is also a good team. Like, wait a minute. Like, this this is going to be an ACC team that really really matters here like they're gonna have a say in how this shapes out um Notre Dame this is a tough 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 we talked about this they lost to Ohio State had to turn around go to play a really good Duke team turn around play Notre Dame I'm sorry turn around play Louisville and now they're I think going to USC so oh no it was at Duke, at Louisville. Now they get a home one, but it's against USC. So rough, rough stretch of games for Notre Dame. Um, Sam Hartman, I, I, he needs he needs help at the receiver position because mm-hmm. um, their offensive and line, the line. Is, yeah, I mean yeah. their offensive line is I, I, like they are good, um, but he, I feel like part of it, it it's in conjunction with. I, I don't have anyone that could get open that isn't Mitchell Evans, who's just always open because he's a humongous human being. I don't have anyone that could get open. And now the line is starting to break down in pass pro. And the combination of those two things are he's just getting he's getting hit a lot. He's on the pressure a lot. And it's just clear. It's like he's got nowhere to go with this football far too often. So not having the weapons on the outside is starting to hurt Notre Dame. And then uh, I, I think... USC is going to work them personally. Like I, I think USC is going to just because N- Notre Dame has an 
issue with the secondary outside the numbers, missed tackles, one-on-one in space, um, USC, Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, they will exploit that. They will put these, uh, you know, put the, the defenders in binds and in space and make them tackle. Now, on the other side of things, USC can't tackle anything ever. So there's that. But I do think uh, this is just a, I think Notre Dame's going to lose again. I think it's just a tough slate of games. Um, if they could have just played USC maybe two, three weeks later, just give them a little time to recover from Ohio State, Duke, Louisville. Maybe it's a different story, but I just think this is a, a tough turnaround. But not to get too far off Louisville. Louisville earned their respect. They jumped up to 14 in the rankings. Um, deserved. You know, I don't, I don't really have any pushback against the teams that they're ahead of right now. Maybe they're getting ahead of themselves. Uh, you know, like Cam Rising comes back. Maybe Utah should be ahead of Louisville or ultimately, you know, is a better team than a Louisville. But can't be mad at where they're at now based on what we've seen from them. So shout out Jeff Brown. Shout out Louisville. Yeah, I, that was impressive. And I think more impressive than the actual win itself was how they won. Um, I know you said the Notre Dame's offensive line is good. I, I I think they can be good. It just it seemed like Louisville either schematically or even just talent-wise was operating on a different playing field than Notre Dame was. Uh, the way they were able to stop the run and like, completely eliminate the run game, the way they were able to control a line of scrimmage, uh, establish a run on their end, like in the trenches, Louisville really stood out to me. And yeah, Jordan has to fix this. Yeah, look, I, they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> I went as far as to say Notre Dame, not just that their line was good, but they're the best O line in the country at one point. I think I said that before or either after the Ohio State game, and I mean. There's been evidence of it. I think like NC yeah. I think NC State has proven to be a good defense, at least a good defensive front. They push them around. Um, but and and at times they they had their way with Ohio State. But Duke's D-line, which is pretty good, has has kind of neutralized the uh, Notre Dame offensive line at times. Like you said, Louisville looked overwhelming to them at times. Um so yeah, I, I haven't. I'm, you know, I'm not breaking down offensive line tape enough to know what is it. Is it schematic? I know size wise and 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 ability wise when it is clicking, what it looks like. But yeah, Louisville, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't necessarily think Notre Dame has a strong offensive line based on what Louisville did, based on how they looked against Duke. Uh, turn it around here against USC, and then they get a little bit of a reprise with Pitt. But then they got to go right to Clemson. So it's this, like we said not that long ago, this is one of the tougher schedules, Notre Dame, who's often criticized for not taking those tough matchups. They said not this year. Like they wanted to give themselves a strong resume if they had won some of these. You're talking about probably a top four, top five team. Um, but this is what happens. You know, when you test yourself, you can lose. I respect it. I still think they're a good team. But yeah, you know, it's a tough, tough schedule. Real quick, non-base, uh, non, non, non-football sport of the day, non, non-college football sport of the day. Baseball playoffs kicked off. Um, I just want to do some quick updates. The Orioles are back in the playoffs. The Orioles were really good all year. 
They they haven't been good for a while. Orioles are back good. However, the Rangers beat them in the first two games, so it's already looking not great. But they got to the playoffs. Shout out to you, Orioles. Uh, Orioles, young, rebuild, generic farm system, or yeah, farm system type rebuilds. The Rangers went out, spent a bunch of money in free agency. Turned out good for them. Uh, Astros, twins, twins back in the dance. Twins have been out of the playoffs for a long time. They broke a streak of droughtless or, you know, a, a winless, a playoff streak. So they won their wild card series, got in. Uh, they beat the Astros, I think, in the first two games. I think they're up 2-0. They definitely won last night. Uh, Astros are kind of the established dynasty. Uh, the Twins had a good offseason. They signed the best shortstop in free agency despite injury concerns. Carlos Correa, shout out him. Uh, Phillies, Braves. Braves were one of the best teams in baseball, period, have one of the best players. But the Phillies have been hot. Phillies got the win. The Braves kind of had this uh, record or kind of reputation of winning a lot the regular season and then losing in the uh, playoffs. There was a time in the 90s and the 2000s they won like 14 straight pennant races but then they never won a world series uh they won one a couple of years ago so they've kind of shedded some of that but that is my interesting baseball update and then the diamondbacks beat the hell out of the dodgers right the dodgers are just printing money they're the richest team in sports basically um or in that sport for sure and the diamondbacks are the opposite of that but the diamondbacks beat the hell out of them so i love when you know teams that all the money in the world can buy lose to teams that just kind of are not that but spent smartly they bought the right players and it's showing and baseball is also random so the best team doesn't always win but i love the playoffs Mm -hmm. so tune in baseball playoffs wherever you get your baseball playoffs that was an unofficial promo uh all right club late night it was late i mean it was light so there's only two games really oregon state at cal cal is a very good team um, we've said that before. Cal's a Cal's a solid team, which was why it was impressive when Washington State just stomped a mud puddle through the side of their face. But uh, Oregon State also very good, um, putting fifty two up. I have said their offense is meh, but they scored fifty two against Cal. We thought their defense was good. They also allowed forty points. So I don't really know how to get a read on Oregon State, but. Uh, you know, they appear to be a good team. And I just I don't know. I never know what kind of I'm gonna get from them a week week in and week out. But they're uh they're high, you know, I guess they have a high ceiling. I feel like they also have a fairly low floor, but I guess they're a high ceiling team. And then yeah, the triple overtime USC Arizona game. Arizona is also good said that too this is my first time really watching them though uh now that they're on espn and here's what i know caleb williams running for his life all the time not good that's also part of what i arrived at the conclusion that he's not going to go back to usc to have to run for his life like this every play for why would he yeah like for again yes money but ultimately at the end of the day less money um but he did what he does, and um, I mean, I don't know what he would have to do to 
not win the Heisman at this point. Like, I guess he could just have a bad, like, he just hasn't had a bad, barely had a bad quarter, let alone a, a bad game. Like, it started slow in this game. I guess the first half even. But, like, that seems more of a function of he is this one-man show. Because uh, offensively, like, do they even have a run game? Doesn't feel like it. Defensively, we make fun of them every week. It feels like mm-hmm. it's 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 the Caleb Williams show, and I love watching that show. But at a certain point, it's just like where where is the rest of the reason why I'm supposed to trust this team? Because I'm not seeing it on any other like I'm not seeing it anywhere else. The O line's not good. The, there's no running game. They got some good receivers, but Caleb Williams has to get them the ball. And then defensively, I don't know what they do well. Like they don't stop the run well. They don't defend the pass well. They don't tackle well. So like, what do they do well outside of Caleb Williams and call good offensive plays? Yeah, one of the things I read this week was suggesting that Lincoln Riley actually is an inept coach. I don't know if I buy this thing it was extreme, but the the premise of the argument was Lincoln Riley really only coaches offense. You really mm-hmm. only see him talking to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the team is in shambles. And this has been pretty much true of his team's Oklahoma as well. And so they're wondering if he's just out of his depth and he's just really a glorified offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach mm-hmm. that is going to continue to have these same results because – Really, the same results he got in Oklahoma. He's just taking that same staff and bringing them to USC. Right. And Oklahoma never fixed their problems. So I thought it was interesting, a little extreme, but I, I saw where they were going with that. What do you think? I think, yeah, inept is way too far. Um, just because, like, I, I think to say inept ignores <laughs> what he has been able to accomplish. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, I do think you look at Oklahoma now with Brett Venables, so defensive coordinator, defensive-minded coach taking over that program. And, yes, you know, Gabriel, offensive drive, wins the game. But a lot of that game came down to, you know, Oklahoma forced two turnovers, so possession battle. Uh, but Oklahoma's defense is kind of the the thing that I think is the, the, the difference maker for a conference that's kind of notorious for never playing defense. Um I think if Lincoln, yes, Lincoln Riley, to say he's a glorified or like a, a O coordinator or a quarterback coach who's maybe out of his depth at coaching the other elements of football, like special teams and defense, that's probably not wrong. I do think, however, if you just gave, if he just got a good defensive coordinator and you just let him run your offense, let the defensive coordinator run the defense. I, th- I really think that's all you need, right? Like, I, I feel like it's easier to pair someone like Lincoln Riley up with a very good defensive coordinator than it is to find a offensive play caller and an offensive mind who seems to get these great things out of, what is this, the fifth or sixth quarterback in a row now that just you come play with me, you will play out of this world, your stats will be amazing, you will go – first round NFL um I I think it's easier to like to to pair that guy with the defensive coordinator than it is to find a defensive coordinator 
who then has to go find or or who can lead and then go find me a Lincoln Riley to just do my my offense. So I, there's some truth yeah. to that. There's some truth yeah. to that, that statement. I, I just I would like to if you the perfect combination would have been Lincoln Riley, head coach, Brent Venables, defensive coordinator. Okay, now you match the the high powered offense with the you know lockdown defense. And so I, I, I yeah, I, I think he's he certainly leaves a lot to be desired on defense. Uh, at the same time, I said that I would take him and Caleb Williams as as the the package to jumpstart my Raiders and and let's go into the future. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, that that would mean like who's gonna who's running the defense because it can't all evidence points to it can't be Lincoln Riley. So who's running your defense? Uh, that's totally yeah. No, that's that's fair, and I think to play the argument out, they would say, and you can't obviously do this, at least right now. But like, show me Lincoln Riley without Baker, without Jalen Hurts, you know, right. without Caleb Williams. Right. And I guess we'll see. There's this idea that we don't know what kind of coach somebody is when they're with arguably the best player in the sport. Yeah, and I mean, the Caleb Williams thing, interestingly enough happened after you know i don't want to say by accident because caleb williams was a nationally huge deal he's a freshman starting at bethesda i'm sorry gonzaga yeah i think it was yeah it's either dematha or gonzaga i think it might have been dematha but yeah he was he's starting when he was 14 he's very well known he's been on a pro trajectory for a while but he was sitting at oklahoma for what was that four games or five however many oh, Spencer games? Rattler was he said yeah it's like once a... well, yeah mm-hmm. once, once Spencer Rattler was was I think it was an injury it wasn't even a, a coach but he got knocked out of a game Caleb Williams comes in and a half a half of football later we're like oh my god that who is this guy because Spencer Rattler just lost his job um but yeah so I I, I do think all that is is fair and valid criticism and I wonder if we will ever see, just because he has that track record now, if you're a top quarterback, you want to go play with Lincoln Riley. So he might never, ever have to. I wonder what would happen if I didn't have a top quarterback because he might just get all the top quarterbacks because they know I want to go play with Lincoln Riley. So it's it's an interesting true to try to separate them, like similar to the Brock Purdy discussion of separating him from the play calling and the talent in San Francisco you know, how, how good is he? Um, you know, that it, it's hard to parse those things out, but we know once given a good quarterback or yeah. once given, like we know what he does with it on that, on that end. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. Game of the day to me, easy red river rivalry. Uh, Georgia, Georgia tech and Miami was a crap game. The finish was wild, but the game itself was crap. Uh, LSU and my Missouri was a, was a slug fest back and forth. Um, that was my environment game of the week. It was a pretty wild environment because it was just touchdown, 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 touchdown. So a lot of, lot of excitement there. Um, but I went with the, the Red River rivalry. It was just, you had block punts, you had picks, you had, you know, last minute drives. I think it just, it had all the, all the elements of that game that you want. Um, a lot of legends on the sideline too. The block punt just reminded me it wasn't the exact same, but you know they show the Roy Williams, Chris Sims, Superman play every year. That block punt play reminded me somewhat of that just because it was in the end zone. 
guy leapt over the you know the punt protector to block the ball and the you know, defender just kind of ended up with the ball in his hand like just kind of bounced right into him but wild game fun game uh performance of the day i've been giving it to quarterbacks too much i could give it to jalen daniels it's becoming weekly um caleb williams same thing but the receiver in me like i would lose my receiver card if i kept doing this so i gotta shout out some receivers luther burden wide receiver at mississippi uh or you know old miss mississippi uh 11 receptions 149 yards i think he scored and also i might not have completed his stat line he might have kept going uh casey concepcion nc state seven receptions 104 yards two touchdowns Jeremy Burton from Bama, who I mentioned, it felt like 20-something catches. It was really seven for 167 and a touchdown. He balled out. Uh, Xavier Restrepo from Miami, despite the embarrassingness, he had 11 catches for 139. Um, so anytime you hit double digits and catches as a receiver, that's just like that feeling is incredible. Can't say I've ever had that in a, in a game. Double-digit catches is, is dope. Preview next week. Game of the week, I got Oregon and Washington. We know what it is. They both had the bye week this week, so that's perfect. They both got to rest up and game plan for each other. It's a 3.30 game uh, in Seattle. It will be loud. I imagine Oregon is going to bust out some bright-ass jersey, um, and I, I I, can't wait. Michael Penix, Bo Nix, two top teams in that conference. I think this is... If you want to say the winner of this, this is a, one of those de facto playoff games, right? Like the, the winner of this or the loser of this might have lost their shot in the college football playoffs, might have. And the winner, this you know, this could be a de facto kind of semifinal type of of game. So that's that's the game of the week. Sleeper game of the week. We're getting these Tuesday, Wednesday. Sun Belt Mac type of game, so keep an eye out for those. But actually, Sun uh, Saturday at twelve o'clock, JMU is hosting uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, I think a win could get JMU ranked here. They're just outside the top twenty-five. They're undefeated, uh, best team in the state of Virginia. We know they can't make a bowl game unless not enough teams win six games, which seems unlikely. So the best that we could get for them is just for them to finish in the top 25 rankings it'd be great if you just had a top 25 undefeated team in the rankings and a you know somebody be like why aren't they in a bowl game again like this is something i would have to explain to gabby or my wife you know my wife i'd have to explain to her like she would look at that and ask and i'd have to explain it's stupid but because they wanted to play harder competition when they beat that harder competition they aren't rewarded for it they don't get to play in a bowl i don't know how to explain it to you yeah it's dumb good luck with that but they're playing georgia southern two good teams uh some belt getting after it and then my vibrant game of the week i'm going off a little off uh you know outside the box here there's a lot of good games there's a couple of ranked the usc notre dames um i think there's an old miss arkansas maybe no they played already there's a couple of there's there's some rank v ranked i'm going with wyoming team who we all respect now they're going to play an unbeaten Air Force team, a team that I think people should have oh, more. Sneaky, should, sneaky. Sneaky, good team. Air Force has been putting up. This isn't your grandfather's Air Force here where triple option and not a lot of points. Air Force is putting up like 40 points, 38 points on a nightly basis. Um, and 
they pass the ball. The, you know, the irony that the Air Force for all these years would never throw the football in their games. This team will pass it. Um, it's undefeated Mountain West teams. Salute the troops. Uh, anytime you get a nighttime, it's a nighttime game. 7 p.m. troop, uh, 7 p.m. game out there uh, at, I think they're Colorado. Are they Fort Collins or Colorado Springs? Forget where Air Force is. I I think it's Colorado Springs, maybe Fort Collins, but the troops will be hype either way. That's my environment game of the week. Um, and then my super loop look ahead game because it's over for LSU. I had that Georgia State game for them, but they've lost again since we talked. Or like that that game now, they're not going to overlook that one now. Uh, but. South Carolina is hosting Jacksonville State on 11-4, and that's Jacksonville State from Alabama, not Florida. Uh, that is a Sun Belt team. South Carolina is currently below 500. They they shouldn't be messing around with Sun Belt teams like that. Just going to say that. Like uh, Middle of November, coming off some conference games for South Carolina. They're not winning. They could be this in a bad. They, they could be in this a bad. Happens. They could be in a bad place, right? Right now, they're they're two and three, about to play Florida, Missouri, Texas A and M. That's a tough stretch, all right. It might be in a bad place, and then they got to play Jacksonville State. Like if, if if they lose two out of those three, a uh, uh, Florida, Missouri, Texas A and M, I think they'll lose both those road games, Missouri, Texas A and M. You could be talking about a a two and seven team. A two and is it my math right there? Two and six team potentially losing to Jacksonville State at home. They'll be calling for. I don't know if I mean would they call for Shane Beamer's job? I don't know, but just keep an eye out for that one. That's my super look ahead game. We'll do the stock game later at some point. Uh, or I think both of us took some took some losses. I know my Miami stock not good. Washington State stock not good. Um. Your Notre Dame stock, not good, but we'll we'll come back maybe do the full game kind of preview. Got to make some tough choices in this next segment. <clears throat> yeah, it's gonna it, it's it's it, we got choices to make because this is when teams start to play like some of the other teams that we got. This is when it's time to sell before it's too late and all that. Like some, damn it, I didn't know Miami. Like I was prepared to sell eventually on Miami. Didn't think it was gonna have to be Georgia Tech week. Right, that was a didn't see that one coming, but um, week seven, so that was week six, week seven will be fun. Um, and we're like I said, we're getting Tuesday games and Wednesday games now, so there's football on our TV every day of the week until mid November, and NBA is coming back too, so it's just that beautiful time. And uh, Liberty, we need you, we need Liberty to even the series up. Let's go, Liberty. They lost to the Aces, um, so let's go, Liberty. Jockwell Jones, I see you. Brianna Stewie, Stewie Stewie, MVP. Um, but until next week, y'all, we will we'll come back with the stock game in a couple of days. We'll talk to y'all then. All right, y'all. Peace. Yes. Peace out. <laughs>